You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast series and syndicating for the A-List online. My name's Andrew Mackay-Smith. On this particular instalment of the show, you will listen to an interview between myself and two of the members from a German outfit called Nailed to Obscurity. The reason for the conversation is to promote Nailed to Obscurity's brand new album. I believe it's being released in 2019. It's called Black Frost. Let's have a listen to what the fellas have to say. Here we go. Raimund from Nailed to Obscurity. Hi. How's things been going for you? They must be going pretty well. <laughs> You've been having lots yeah. of conversations. Yeah, definitely. It, it, it did. We just had an interview and we, we took a little more time because we were maybe a little chattery, <laughs> but uh, yeah, a little, a little chatty, uh, but uh, yeah. Um, I, I think I will drop Ola right in, our guitar player. He will also be part of this interview. No worries. If that's okay for you? Yeah, of course. Yeah, please go for it. No worries at all. So let's start this. Hello. I can hear you. Okay. How are you? I'm fine. How are you? I'm very good. Yeah, very good. I'm sitting in a pretty bloody cold room here at the moment at uni. I've got to tell you, it must be about... You'll laugh at this being from Germany, but we're not used to cold weather in Australia, as you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> must be about 15 degrees in here at the moment, which is Celsius, obviously, not Fahrenheit. Um, but yeah, it's, I've been in here for a couple of hours because I'm, I'm, I'm 40, right? So I'm, I'm old. I'm a mature age student, but I've decided <laughs> to come back to uni. And um, yeah, you find all sorts of weird nooks and crannies around the place in order to facilitate the interviews because I do do a lot of this stuff. I enjoy doing it. I enjoy doing it, but you've just got to take your moments and chances when they can. And in this case, it's in a room that's 15 degrees Celsius. <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> yeah. How's uh, how's the the interviews with the Australian media contingent been treating? Have we been treating you well? Yes, so far. I mean, I think yesterday we had our first Australian interview ever. I think, I, if I remember correctly, I'm not sure if we had Australian interviews for the last album, but I don't. No, we we hadn't had. Okay, so then we had the first ones yesterday, and. Uh, all of them were really great. So <laughs> everyone Fantastic. seems to be really nice over there. <laughs> well, it's a, it's a bloody good album you guys have got here. So, so the album is called Black Frost. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, lads, correct me if I'm wrong, it, it'll be released early next year in 2019. And to my ears, okay, so I'm an old school metal fan. I listen to a lot of heavy metal through my life. So here's what I heard. Now, feel free to correct me again if I'm wrong here, if you've got another view on the sounds that you're creating here, but I'm hearing a bit of an influence from Opeth, Dissection, Amorphous, and Immortal. So what are your thoughts? Um, actually, I think Opeth is definitely one of our influences. It's one, at least one of my favorite bands, or used to be. I, I'm not into that new, the new stuff anymore. Um, and I think everybody in the band uh, really likes Opeth, so that's obviously a big, big influence. Uh, even though we try not to sound like them, in, you know, like not exactly like them, because oh, yeah. that was yeah. too too obvious to just copy their style. <laughs> yeah, sure. um, All the other bands are great, but I I wouldn't say that Dissection and Immortal are big influences. We all know them and we listen to them. Um, even though some of us don't uh, really, yeah. 
Yeah, it's hard, you, you know, because I, I host a podcast series, so I can't play the music on the podcast series. So I've got quite a listenership in North America who will be being introduced to you guys for the first time. So I always try to give people who are listening to the interview, always try to give them some point of reference so they understand the sort of music you're creating. Yeah. Uh, that's the only reason I do that. I think you've got your own thing going on, by the way. That's not to suggest for a moment that you're not entirely yeah. original, which you are, and I had it on in the background, and one of the greatest compliments that I can give to a metal band is that I can focus on doing other things while still listening to the music and, and enjoying it. Because yeah. if you cool. put on, I'll just pick on Deerside for a moment, if you put on Deerside in the background, who I do love, by the way, but you can't go about doing other things whilst you're listening to Deerside because it, it gets you involved too much. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I think it's I take that as a compliment because there's a lot of variation, a lot of contrast, a lot of light and shade through your music, and I think you yeah, guys have done gone to a big effort to make that happen. And it's interesting that you hear dissection and immortal in there. We we, we like that music, but I never thought about that. You know, <laughs> I never thought about them being an influence to us. But I can see because we did a for for us at least a pretty dark album or darker than the albums before. Yeah, and maybe that's a similar atmosphere than you that you can get from from black metal bands or bands like Dissection, maybe. Yeah, yeah there, maybe there that's where it was. Some, yeah, yeah. I think going. I think there is there is some some kind of blackened atmosphere. Yeah, definitely, um, and I think this this might lead to especially Dissection um, in 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 a way, uh, also because of the guitar leads and all that stuff. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's exactly, yeah. you bang on point there. That's what I heard because Dissection did have very good guitarists and um, you guys obviously have great guitarists in the band as well. Um, so I'm hearing very competent guitar playing and I think that's where the where I could draw the comparison. It was in the, the quality of the guitar leads. So there you go. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> There you go. I I I, th I thought this this is uh, a compliment in, towards Ola, so I was yeah. I was just, yeah, just, you were cutting oh. off at the end, so I didn't really get what you said. <laughs> oh, I was just saying that I, I think the, the quality of the guitar lead. So I can I, I'm a musician, I'm a bass player, and I also play guitar, but I'm primarily a bass guitarist. So I do listen to the musicians' performance on the albums that I get a chance to listen to before I get to interview the artist fairly intently. And you guys have spent tens of hours crafting this album, haven't you? Yeah. <laughs> it's, there's a lot of effort that's gone into this one here. So, I mean, that's like I was saying before, I'm trying to give the listener a full, like an immersive experience, if you like, through the interview to understand what the music sounds like. So, so talking about the guitar sounds on the album then, Oli, did you, what, what, what were you actually going for? Were you going for something that was entirely original and unique, or did you have some reference points that you were taking as a starting point? Uh, do, do you mean the actual sounds we recorded? Or, yeah, exactly. Uh, the sounds, yeah, uh, the sounds and the tones, yeah. Um, that's actually, well, we, we, have a, we have a picture, or, or we, we know how we uh, want the songs to sound like, um, and we know that Victor, who produced the album, shares that opinion with us. So that's the first step. That's why we went to uh, record mm. to, to the same studio again, like we did for the last album, because we knew uh, Victor would understand the songs and how they should sound like, and that we would see the same once we hear it for the very first time. Mm -hmm. So um, uh, we kind of have, a, yeah, I think we have a pretty clear idea how the guitars 
or everything uh, in the mix has to sound like. And uh, But what we do in the studio is we uh, record riff by riff and we change the sound so that it fits <clears throat> perfectly for, for every single riff. So there's not this one rhythm sound, even though they are all pretty much the same. It's the same... Um, basis for the for the for the well, the same foundation for the sounds for the for the lead sound is this always the same starting point so to speak mm -hmm. and for the sound it's always the same foundation but um, we go through every song and riff by riff and uh, adjust the sounds so that we think that's perfect for this riff and that's how it works best yeah it's incredible yeah well there you go yeah that's uh, there's a lot of uh, very labor-intensive process, I assume. Yeah, and that's not only with the sounds, like with uh, the 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 amp and the equalizers and everything and gain. It's just it's also uh, the effects that we work out quite uh, um, detailed. Yeah. So, for for every single lead guitar, there, well, not all of them have different effects, but if there's we have the feeling it could be another effect on there, then there is another effect. It's just not this one lead sound that we use for everything. Mm. Yeah. Are you using Kemper amps, or what sort of amps are you using? Um, we are using Kemper amps, but only live, because, right. yeah, it works, per it's just handy. <laughs> it works, works perfectly in a live setup. <laughs> and the, I think, for me, I, I compared it with the, uh, with, uh, actual like uh, tube amps um, and I didn't hear any difference between those the profile and the, the original chain um, but I know there must be something missing and that's probably uh, on a uh, yeah how do you say that in English uh, yeah right the signal psycho audible level Okay, Does gotcha. That, yep. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, that makes uh, complete sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think that's not important in the live setup. So it, the signal goes through the PA and everything. You know, that you won't, will never hear a difference between a real amp and a camper in a live setup. But yes. in the studio where you are really carefully working on the sounds and everything, then we prefer to work with actual tube amps. Um, yeah. And. I think we used the camper for one clean sound and for this ambient sound that we sometimes use, this um, kind of pad sound that sounds a bit like a synthesizer. Okay, um, cool. That, that, that came from a camper. Um, but apart from, from that, it's all tube amps. Okay, and, and the other thing that I noticed is that I could actually hear the bass guitar. Which is a thrill for me, being a bass guitarist. So you've put a lot of effort into making the bass guitar audible too, and you've got a very good tone there. So can you describe the bass guitar sound? Like what, what gear you were using to pull that sound? That was uh, Ampeg SVT7 Pro mm -hmm. with uh, Sansamp before the input. Yeah, before the input. Yeah, I use a Sansamp as well. I thought I could hear that. Yeah, I use a Galleon Kruger setup with a Sansamp. It's just very reliable, isn't it? It is reliable, and it really 
I mean, the the MPEG sounds cool, but it, it's missing some kind of bite. Yes. It doesn't have this nice distortion that you can get with the Sensam. Mm -hmm. So that's yeah. And but that's actually also uh, our live setup for the bass. Yeah, and, well, that'd be yeah. awesome. I mean, in the video for Black Frost, you can really hear that awesome tone when. When you put the headphones on, you can really just dive into that bass tone. It's quite good. It's a very good sound. Yeah, and it's important because uh, we don't see the bass as what a lot of bands do, just to um, make the sound bassier. <laughs> mm. we, it's just the, the, the bass is playing its own melody lines and adds sometimes adds notes to the harmonies that are missing I mean the the overall harmony of the song or the the that riff, uh, because the one guitar is playing uh, the lead, uh, yeah. and the other guitar is playing a certain um, chord, but can add this one tone that's still still missing to add this certain tone that we want to have or this harmony, and then the bass bass adds that. The bass is not always following the exact notes that the guitars are playing. That's what I mean. It's, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. That's why you have to hear it, you know. <laughs> oh, look! It's you get so sick of listening to metal albums where the bass is doing virtually nothing. Sometimes for half of the, I actually go, I won't go on record, but I say about half of the albums that I've ever heard in my life from heavy metal bands, the bass is inaudible and it's just there, a bit like on "And Justice for All" by Metallica. It's just there to fill out like the sonic low end, not the audible yeah, note low end. Yeah, that, that's what what we always thought, and that's, I mean. We, we do have this instrument, so why not use it in a proper way? <laughs> yeah, well, you guys can certainly play, so why not? And and, uh, and it, it's another... The fact that you think so much about the music alludes to another point, okay, which is this. The band's been going for a while, so I understand you've got four or five albums out already, including this release here for, for Nuclear Blast, or soon to be released for Nuclear Blast. And apart from, from Raymond, obviously the singer on the call here, the lineup is virtually intact since you first started, started, which is pretty rare, let's face it, with bands that have been going since you've been mm -hmm. going for about 13 years now or so. So how have you kept the show on the road as an independent band with what, what I imagine has been hardly any financial support from labels and management? Um, well, it's correct. We, we didn't have uh, much financial support in the past. Um, so I don't know. We just, we always said other people are spending uh, a lot of money for their hobbies. So why can't we do it for, for our hobby, which is our band? <laughs> like six. I think, but, uh, yeah, we spent, spent a lot of money there and lost a lot of money, so to speak. Yeah. <laughs> but, mm. um, I don't know. It was always too important to not do it. And, um, Yeah. So actually, in the beginning, we did things like um, Falk and I worked on a shrimp boat for two weeks when we uh, uh, had cool. holidays. Yep. And uh, just to earn money to build our own rehearsal room. And that's how we always did it. You know, things like that. Just earn some money, put it into the band. That's what That was the time when we were still at school or studying. You know, then we did some jobs to finance the band in a way um yeah but then at a certain point it starts but it, that's that's uh that only started a couple of years ago that you earn a little money by yeah. playing shows 
that helps to to refinance the money you are, you have to invest with the band. So um, yeah, but yeah. All that put our our own money in there. Yeah, I don't. Music is not a. It might be a music business, but you can't approach it as a business, can you? Because if you did, you'd stop doing it within the first month of playing or performing or touring or what have you because you don't start making a return if you don't mind me saying in your case it's been probably 10 plus years or so but you do get a lot of emotional return it's just not a financial thing is it exactly exactly and that's that's the the uh main reason why we do that you know and um, of course it's you get into this business side at a certain point um and it's really helpful because if you can get money from that well that is a good thing obviously but it's not the reason why why you should do it hmm. yep agree that's for sure and uh what about the the signing to nuclear blast how did you guys get their attention uh, we were assigned to uh apostasy records uh for um opaque and king delusion Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, we we thought after King Delusion something was was happening. We played this tour with uh, Dark Tranquility um, uh, in 2017, and um, and we thought it it would be cool to make let's say the next step for the band. And um, the the founder of Apostasy Records, the owner, uh, asked us. Uh, if it would be cool for us if he would became our manager so he's still part of the nail to obscurity sure, world yeah. so to speak mm-hmm. um but but if if we were cool with a with the idea of of him searching for for a larger label and and we were yeah. like yeah definitely that that's what we had in mind because we also thought it would be cool to 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 make this this step and um and he uh, actually came up with uh, with Nuclear Blast being interested in signing us, mm-hmm. and this was like, is 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 this real? <laughs> I, I, yeah. Are you really talking about this label, Nuclear, Bla- Nuclear Blast, the or is there blast? another label that we don't <laughs> know about? Um, and uh, yeah, but but it, it was uh, was actually real, and um, so. We were uh, we were looking at the at the contract and 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 thought it was very very um, fair towards us and uh, so we said to each other we have to make this happen we have to sign this deal because this is the new playground for us this is yeah. something something that allows us to do the 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 next step in our evolution as a band and so we signed the contract and. Um, and then we, um, yeah, partied about it a little bit within <laughs> within the band. All, yep. j- just us five, uh, drinking a little bit too much, and <laughs> and and just, just just trying to realize what just happened. Um, but actually realizing that this is uh, that this is real, that we are now a nuclear blast band, mm. uh, is happening right now because. We now were able to put the the first video single Black Frost out uh, on on their channels and having their support and and now being able to to talk to interviewers from uh, from uh, Australia and New Zealand for the very first time. Um, yeah. 
this this is something completely new and and now we realize okay this is this is definitely something that we wanted that that we thought that we could do and uh yeah it's happening now well congratulations on it and and i'm so glad to hear the enthusiasm really you know because it is one of those once in a lifetime things really isn't it for, for it's such a great label nuclear blast with such a great history and you never hear bands whether they're on the roster or whether they've left the roster talk shit about nuclear blast or at least i've done a lot of reading and a lot of listening to podcasts but there are a lot of labels out there where bands don't feel they get a fair go but not with nuclear blast and i like the way too i can't remember the guy who owns uh, nuclear blast or i can't remember his name but uh i was talking to the lass from pristine which is a norwegian band about a year and a half yeah. ago or so yeah really good band and she was talking about how she got signed in the process and it just seemed so it it seemed like a process that was very natural but at the same time he well it seems like a natural process because the owner of the label really appreciates wonderful musicianship and great music and that's what it comes yeah. down to and you can always say that about nuclear blast bands um and we and we can actually add that uh, you can say this about all the people that are working there. We um, passionate. So, sorry, they are really passionate. Everyone yeah, passionate. yeah. Um, actually, I think the time is over, but I think we can do another three minutes. There's someone else waiting right now. So, but oh, think- are they? Oh, okay, that's your just last question, just quickly. So, have you had a lot of feedback from Australian fans over the years? Ooh, I think it was via our social media, via Facebook, but I can't remember, let's say, um, uh, fan reaction from Australia um, uh, right now. I, I think we reached out to to people in Australia through that, but um, I actually... To be to be very honest, um, I don't I don't know right now. I also don't know about uh, reviews from Australian fanzines towards uh, King Delusion. Or do, do you remember something? Uh, I, think we, we, I mean, we haven't done anything in Australia. We haven't played. Yeah. There. We didn't uh, do interviews, uh, even though we would like. Uh, yeah, uh, would like to to. Um, uh, do the interviews for the last, or doing interviews for the last album as well, but uh, there didn't seem to be interest, and um, which is okay. I mean, with, <laughs> Australia is pretty far away, <laughs> mm. um, so I think we had a couple of CD orders from Australia, but not not many, maybe three or so uh, over the yep. years. Oh, so yeah, yeah. <laughs> just. The band, the band, Never happened it's, uh, in in Australia, I think. So that's starting now, and I, it's my theory, uh, which I got from the interviews from yesterday, that it has to do with our first ever appearance, live appearance in the UK, because we played Bloodstock on the main stage. Okay, and it yep. seems to me that uh, the Australian fans, uh, yeah, are more connected to the uh, UK scene, which makes sense to me. Uh, than to uh, the rest of Europe, in a way, you know, if you know yeah, what right. I mean. No, you're spot on. You, you're very, you, you've hit the nail on the head there, yeah. We do tend to be, yeah. we're very, very much influenced by what happens in the UK and the US. Um, and I think, and 
like uh, half a year ago when we signed, actually when we signed to Nupia Blast, we realized that there's an interest growing in the UK because also there we haven't played there before, uh, our show at Bloodstock. Hmm. And it was not that much interest. There were some orders and some uh, comments on social media and everything, but not that we had the feeling that there's something happening now. And yeah. now uh, we have the feeling, especially after the Bloodstock show, that uh, the UK seems to be really interested in the band, even though we haven't done much in the UK. And, and now... Australia is following, so that's my feeling. <laughs> nice. All right. Well, I'll do my bit here. I think it's a wonderful album. So uh, I'm, just, I'm so busy these days. I want to do a review on the album. Of course, it'll be favourable. But um, if I can get to do a review, guys, I'll, um, I'll send it to you on your socials, your Facebook post socials, and share it away or what have you. Um, but I'll do my bit here. You know, we'll release the podcast episode. And the irony for me, though, guys, so I know you've got to go just quickly, is most of my listenerships in North America. So <laughs> I don't know how that's happened, but I'll take it. Um, about a third of my audience is in Australia and about uh, a bit over, or I don't know, about half of my audience since it come from the States. Okay. So hopefully we'll give, okay. you, give you a bit of a profile over there as well. Okay. Very cool. cool. Thank you very much. Right. Okay, thanks, lads. All the best and congratulations on the excellent album again. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for our kind words. No worries. Thanks, guys. Catch you. All right. Bye. Bye. Take Bye. care. You have been listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast series and syndicating for The A-List Online. My name's Andrew Mackay-Smith, and that conversation featured two of the members of German Outfit, Nailed to Obscurity. Thank you very much for listening.